0: Welcome back to... Hey, great shot. Well, that voice you hear is our very own producer. Um, Unfortunately, he was not able to make it for our first episode. Uh, Being a college tennis player, he uh, actually has things to do. But joining us on the podcast for the first time, Max Fliegner. Hey, great
1: shot. Well, thanks, Alex. Uh, It's great to be back. I can't promise that uh, I'll be as entertaining as Rothman, but... You know, I'm going to try to hold my own. If anything, if anything, I'm just going to hope that the audio quality of this one is better than the last one because I'm actually recording it. Not you idiots.
0: <laughs> if nothing else, this will be a much more professionally done recording.
1: Yeah. Which is and worth so the sacrifice.
0: Speaking of being a professional, um, the reason I'm so happy to have you on, and I hope our listeners have seen this, uh, you recently released an article on Cracked Rackets. Um, It was the first in a new series they're launching called, or sorry, not they're launching, the first in a series we're launching (laughs) called the Players' Tribune. Um, Uh, I think it's actually called the Tennis Tribune now. Oh, I apologize. Can you give us a few more details about the Tennis Tribune?
1: Yeah, so first of all, thanks a lot to Cracked Rackets. Um, I didn't get a chance to say this on the last pod, obviously, because I wasn't there, but we're really excited to be working with them. Um, you know, we're also really excited to be writing for them. Um, so as Alex said, uh, we started this new series called the Tennis Tribune, and my um, I was lucky enough to be the first one featured in the Tennis Tribune, and basically my article just detailed... Um, my daily schedule at Dartmouth, kind of how difficult it is to be a college athlete, but also how fulfilling it is. And so I wanted to kind of negate some of the negative stereotypes that people might have of college athletes um, and, you know, the life that they lead. Um, like I said, it's it's a difficult life, but it's been incredibly fulfilling for me. So I've met some of my best friends here and um, I've had some incredible experiences. We've traveled to some really cool places. And so... You know, I'd encourage listeners, uh, especially high school prospects who are thinking of playing college tennis, to go on there and just, you know, give that article a read. It's pretty short. If you really, you know, if you love the sport, and especially if you love playing on a team, uh, I think that's something I didn't discuss enough uh, in my article. But if 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 you love playing on a team, then you know, college tennis is absolutely the right choice.
0: Well, I think the best part about us joining Cracked Rackets is that should you feel the desire to write another uh, piece, you know, speaking as a reader, I would very much look forward to reading that piece. Um, and, I, you know, now we have the forum to do so. So, i really enjoyed reading that. I know that the team at crack rackets is really excited. We've got a bunch of fun writers coming up. Um, there'll be a lot of different perspectives. Some kids who are a little bit further out of college, some who have recently graduated, of course, you who are still in college. Um, we're hoping to get more posts like that as well. Uh, we actually want to encourage any of our listeners, um, If you feel you have a particular insight that you want to share with the crack rackets fans, um, please contact us either via Twitter or email. Uh, We would love to hear your stories. And of course we want to reach out to everyone in the tennis community and get their thoughts as well. Uh, So there are a couple of more things though, if you don't mind, I want to ask you about in terms of your tennis experience and your selection of Dartmouth itself. Is that something you regret something you're extremely excited about? Um, When you were going through the recruiting process, how many
1: schools did you look? How did you determine to end up at Dartmouth? Um, Just tell us some of those things. I was pretty much dead set on going to an Ivy League. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's just the truth. But I also... You you were
0: were pretty good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I considered um, most of the Ivy League schools, except for Columbia, mainly just because I didn't think that I would fit in well in New York City. Um, but I talked to all the other Ivy League coaches. I also talked to Northwestern as well as Michigan. Um, All places, you know, most of those places I feel like I would have been really happy, but ultimately, for one reason or another, um, my final two choices came down to Brown and Dartmouth. Um, I think I would have been really happy academically and socially at either place, but um, as, you know, kids who are going through the recruiting process now should know, Tennis, especially in regards to the coach, um, is gonna be a big part of your life. And so that's I, I knew that going in. I was lucky enough to have a lot of advice from older players. Um and so uh knowing that I kind of I basically chose Dartmouth because of the tennis. I'm really fond of the coast uh the coach, Chris Drake. Uh he's done a lot for my game and he's also just a really good guy. Um so hey, great shot to him. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, Um, that's, yeah, that, no, sorry, Sorry, you had a bunch of questions. I know it took me forever to answer that, but.
0: So I would say the difference between a college athlete and a regular student applying to college is the fact that you have to consider beyond the academics, um, even more so when you are that student athlete. And so you said, you know, the first things you were looking for is an Ivy league school. You also mentioned Michigan and Northwestern, two institutions that aren't too bad themselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, I guess for you, academics was the priority. And I, of course, I don't, you know, fault you for that in any ways. Yeah. But to you, do you think it is more important to make sure you have the correct academic fit or make sure you have the right coaching fit?
1: Yeah. And well, like you said, my priority was absolutely academics, uh, first and foremost. But so that being said, to use one of your phrases. Um, <laughs> Uh, that being said, I think that it really depends on the student. I mean, you know, if tennis is really, you know, if if you're thinking of pursuing a career in tennis after college, you know, whether it's professionally or as a coach, um, then tennis is going to be a big part of your life. And, you know, in some cases, um, my friend, some of my fr- peers uh, have gone into schools where the coaches that recruited them weren't there by the end of their career. But you can't assume that that's going to happen. Um, it didn't happen in my case, and it doesn't happen in most cases. So, you have to be prepared to be with this coach and, you know, the kids in your uh, recruiting class for four four years. And you need yep. to make sure that you fit well with those people.
0: I think there are distinctions to be made between, oh, I, what do I think? I'm not exactly a college athlete, but I imagine...
1: But you're a club national champion. It doesn't get a lot better <laughs> than that.
0: Hey, great shot, Alex. <laughs> um, but no, I uh, I appreciate that. Um I would say, again, you're right. When And you, this is something you mentioned in your article. You are just spending so much time with your team. Um, and I just wonder, as a recruit, how difficult it is to get a gauge of the team you're visiting, their culture. Yeah. Um, do they have strong senior leadership? Is it something where, you know, from seniors to freshmen, there's no divide because everyone's competing against one another? Um, and I, I just think that's a really interesting thing, and I'm really happy you explored that aspect of college tennis in your article to make the point of there's nothing that brought you more joy than knowing on a Friday night when you don't get to go out because you have a tournament, you get to spend time with your team and it's a mutual sacrifice. You're doing exactly. it for one another. Yeah. Yeah. For, for a purpose that you guys th- see as greater than, you know, one individual. And I think that's what college athletics is all about. Absolutely. Um, I'm really,
1: yeah. And no, that's I couldn't, I think, couldn't uh, have put yeah. it better myself. I think, um, yeah, in regards to things like that, you know, I think that's definitely a concern people have like what what are the things I'm going to have to sacrifice to play this sport in college? And in some cases people don't even know. Um I I'm lucky enough to be the kind of person that actually really likes tennis, but as I talk about in the article, there are people whose hearts just aren't in it. And if that's the case then you're not right for college tennis and that's not a bad thing. It's just true and you don't want to put yourself through something that um, to use one of the words that I use in the article is just incredibly relentless. You know, it's day in, day out. You're never going to get a week off. Um, you get a day off every week if you're lucky, but, um, you know, sometimes you're going to have morning practice, you know, sometimes you're going to be sick and you still need to go. Sometimes you're going to be away for four or five days on end. You're going to miss a ton of class. Um, all of those things are considerations, but like I feel like the the little things that you end up missing out on can't really compare to the impact that college tennis overall will have on your life, basically. And- yeah,
0: abs- absolutely. I th- I think that's a perfect place. Um, uh, to end. No offense. The perfect place yeah. to end our discussion on your article. I just sure. fear we might start rambling. Um. And, again, that's why we're so excited for other articles on the Tennis Tribune. We're going to ask you guys, again, please go check those out at crackedrackets.com. A lot of players are spending a lot of hard time on those, and, you know, they're really putting themselves out there. And so, you know, they would love to share with us. The least we can do is show them some compassion and some thanks for doing so. And now, another new ad from our favorite fake sponsor, Troubles with Doubles. Hey, Max, do you have a Doubles partner you have some troubles with? Oh, do I? Do you have a Doubles partner who you try to co-host a podcast with, but sometimes he thinks he has a busy schedule? (sighs) Well, I do, and I downloaded the new app, Troubles with Doubles troubles with doubles like tinder will search a 50 mile radius to find you the doubles partner you need if your doubles partner is a ginger if your doubles partner uses bab a lot and if your doubles partner thinks he has a busy schedule use troubles with doubles max i'm using troubles with doubles gruskin go yourself troubles with doubles get it today But that brings us to our new series, and we are thrilled to get to talk about this with you guys. Um, Unfortunately, if you haven't noticed, Max Rothman could not be here tonight. Uh, I believe it's exam season at Michigan, and so he's just got a ton of work. He's got to finish, but so he'll obviously be on the podcast soon, and I know he's excited about this. But Max Fliegner, are you excited for our next-gen series?
1: Could not be more excited.
0: I know. I'm really looking forward to this. So the Next Gen series will be a series derived actually from the ATP's, ATP's own campaign. So about a year I, ago, yeah, really the ATP for- launched something called the Next Generation Campaign. Um, given that the big four of Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, and Murray are not act, not exactly at the end of their careers but are certainly close to it, um, they wanted to highlight some of the young up-and-coming superstars, some of the young talents, some of the people like the Zvirads, the Kyrgioses, um a few years ago, the teams, but he's a little old now. But those young talents that they see as the potential superstars on tour. Um, so what we here at the Great Shot Podcast are going to be doing is talking about our 10 favorite American prospects. Um, all of these players are actually younger than me. That's a little scary to think. I actually think they might be younger than you too,
1: Flegmere. I think a lot of them are, yeah.
0: I think Ruben's also February ninety six. You'd have yeah, to check. Yeah, Ruben. That Ruben's
1: my year, but I know. I know some of the the guys that um, that we're gonna be talking about are quite a bit younger than me, actually.
0: But yeah, so what we're gonna be doing is we're through a series of articles, scouting reports, and mini podcasts. We're gonna give you the fans um, some background about these guys. Look, we all know how long it's been since an American male won a single slam. Um, and we really think at Cracked Rackets that these 10 guys could be the guys to bring America out of that slump, to return America to its place at the top of the tennis world. And so we want you as a fan to be ready for that. We want you to be educated. We want you to know a little bit more about these guys' games before you see them break through on your screen. And so um, I'll, st- I'll ask you some questions, Fliegner. Uh, sure.
1: What's the most exciting aspect for you about this series? Um, I think what's exciting for me, apart from the fact that I've beaten Donaldson and Tiafo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, great shot. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Uh, I think the most exciting thing, I mean, this is going to sound corny, but it's the future. Um, no, it's, absolutely. Been, it's, it's been Barbara. such a long time since we've had, I mean, and no disrespect to guys like Isner, Sock, um, who am I missing? Stevie, of course. No disrespect to those guys, but it's been a long time since we've had someone that we can really hope for to win a slam, um, and that's that's what we're looking for. I mean, we've always been a consistent nation, um, but we're looking for someone to get to the top. And I think this is going to be a really exciting time, especially for us since we're covering it and we're in we're sort of you know we're stepping into it at an early stage. Yeah, and. A
0: lot of these players have had notable junior successes. Um, We'll get into each of their individual accomplishments, obviously throughout this series. Um, But these are players who have already broken through the top 500, who are some of them in the top 200, a few of them even top 100 already. Um, But even beyond that, if you look at how they've competed against their peers, these are players who have won junior slams. These are players who have reached number one as world juniors. Um, So they really are a group to be excited about Um, again. Again, I know between written content and you know some of the podcasts we're trying to put together you might get sick of hearing our opinions on these guys <laughs> um, but we really want to get fans excited about this next generation of players because we think they could be the group that not only puts American tennis back on the map but raises the uh popularity of the sport in the country
1: yeah god knows we need that
0: <laughs> so my question to you is what ends first the American male slamless streak or the DT
1: presidency? <laughs> Definitely the American male slam uh, slamless streak. Oh, let's
0: and hope. You're I don't wrong. know if
1: that makes me an optimist or a pessimist.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> this thing's going on forever. Exactly. Oh,
1: <laughs> well, it feels like it. The DT presidency yeah. feels longer than the the slamless streak already.
0: It's like Isner's Mahut's fifth set. <laughs> it's just <everywhere>. amazing. <laughs> But okay, that's a, about enough of a preview as you guys need. Um, it's also getting a little rowdy, and it's clearly time for our changeover chat. Uh, but we want to take one more quick ad break before we do and bring you another ad from our favorite fake sponsor. So please stick around, and we'll be right back with, hey. Great shot. And now, a new ad from our favorite new fake sponsor. Hey, Max, do you have a Tennis Channel? Not just Tennis Channel. Tennis Channel Plus. Well, aren't you in luck introducing Tennis Channel's new hit series, The Odd Couple. The Odd Couple will take a look at some of our favorite friendships on tour, such as Murray Kyrgios. Burdich Almagro. Bouchard Sharapova. Gruskin Fleegner Ooh, I don't know if we're actually friends. But nevertheless, enjoy Tennis Channel's The Odd Couple, coming to you soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: I wish you guys I'm could dancing. see my screen right now, Alex. Alex just did. I don't even know if I can call that a dance.
0: Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah. There's just a lot of eyebrow. <laughs> There's just <laughs> a lot of hair. All right. Ready to ring it back? Welcome back to. Hey. Great shot. Oh, it sounds funny to hear you do that. I, I think know. you have a natural tone. Thank for you.
1: It. Well, I did come up with oh, a yeah. name, so. <laughs>
0: you one just so many
1: i've never made this many self calls i i apologize to the audience i know i sound <laughs> incredibly arrogant i promise i'm not like this it's just when i get around alex i feel like i need to
0: in fairness we were interviewing you about your article
1: yeah and i wouldn't have had it any other way
0: <laughs> exactly but uh on that note it's time for everyone's favorite segment it's time for cue the drum roll changeover chat so this week on the changeover chat given that it's me and fliegner i have some really fun topics for us um we're gonna start with probably our most controversial subject and one that will get us going (laughs) max fliegner what are your thoughts on the one-handed backhand
1: all right so the guys that come to mind are obviously the king federer himself uh, you were, okay, stand I have the to man. stop you
0: there. No, no, no. We're already beefing because Fetter's one-hander is not the king.
1: Gascade's no, no. one-hander I, is the king. Okay, all right. You're right. We are we are beefing. What? No, no. Did no. you hear that? I'm right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't say you were right. You were right about one yes, thing. Yes, you did. I no, no.
0: Run, run the clip back. Run the tape. Back. No, I, no,
1: no, no. I refuse. Fedder. I did not say Fetter's was the best. I said Fetter was the king. I didn't say his one-hander was the best. Okay. I said King Federer. Fair. All right. To be fair. Okay, fair. But and you're but okay. Either. So you were right about that, but you're wrong. Gasquet is not the best. dude. Please, have you heard? Have you heard of a guy something. named Stand the Man Vavrinka?
0: I thought for sure you were about to do another self call and say Max Flegman
1: is the best. <laughs> dude, even <laughs> even I even I would never say that about my own backhand. It's just not good <laughs> enough. i I can that's be funny. object. I can be objective when I need to. Where does Dimitrov rank in there? Top five? Dude, you know how I feel about Dimitrov.
0: <laughs> Sexy.
1: I mean, if there are even five one-handers in the top 20, then sure. But <laughs> Okay, so then I'm going to
0: assume your top five is some combination of Team Dimitrov, Stan, Federer, Gasquet. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm going to go as far as to say those are my top five, in, in, and I'm going to clarify right there. Yeah. Number five. Federer, Federer's backhand is So you think his you
1: think Federer has the fifth best one-hander in that group of of guys.
0: Yes, I think as of today, um October 2017, I believe Roger Federer does not have as good of a back- one-handed backhand as those other guys.
1: Okay, make your case. Use use what? examples to support your response.
0: Okay, I'll try my best. I've never made an argument before. So we're supposed to use examples?
1: Uh, do just, do just do your best. You, you want to go to law school, figure it out. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay. So number
0: one, Gasquet, the versatility, his ability to go slice, his ability to blast one handers down the line, whether it be for a passing shot or a redirection, his ability to lull players asleep. And I think, um... There have been multiple examples. I think it was Bjorn Fratangelo is one. I can't remember the second player who have explicitly said, "I may have lost today, but it was a pleasure to watch that one-handed backhand." I think his peers would agree as well. Gasquet's versus, you know, his ba- his backhand's better than his forehand. How many players on the tour can yeah. you say that about?
1: But to be fair, that's only because his forehand is dog.
0: Oh, he's got like a terrible hitch in it. But that's I wouldn't say it's dog.
1: <laughs> I would say it's um. Dude, it by, needs by, by his standards, I think it is. But that's a story for another time. Go on. Yeah. So... I place
0: Gasquet, number one, based on versatility and effectiveness. Okay. Number two, I agree with you. It's got to be the Stanimal. When Stan's taking that thing early, when he's redirecting, which is why I'm kind of upset he doesn't do well at Wimbledon. Um, I just feel yeah. like the one-hand backhand yeah. he has is versatile enough to take balls on the rise and move in on and dominate points.
1: Yeah. And I don't want not to interrupt Wimbledon. you, but I think just quickly on that why, note. I would interrupt you. I know you would. You deserve it. (laughs) But on that note, um, I think one of the big reasons that he doesn't do well at Wimbledon, and you mentioned this with Gasquet, but I I don't think Stan's slice is very good.
0: Really? Yeah, that's one of the... Can you explain that to me?
1: Yeah, so I think that's one of the staples of a one-hander is the ability to go to the slice when necessary. Um, I think, you know, it's been said, and it's definitely true for the most part, that one-handers tend to have better slices than two-handers just by nature of using their right arm all the time, um, sure. that, that motion just kind of lends itself to the slice. And for whatever reason, I just think Stans is really defensive. Um, you know, Gasquet, like you said, can actually use his slice offensively, which is not something many players can say. And My coach, Joe Brennan, would say an offensive slice is a paradox. Uh. <laughs> Your coach, Joe Brennan, also said that there are five forehands.
0: shout out to jb but sorry keep going
1: but um yeah so i definitely think that that's one of the one of the things Stan's kind of lacking and it's not really something you need on clay um and so like i think that's why he has so much success on the clay because like he just rips backhands and he doesn't really worry about taking pace off or looping it really it's just one speed so that's my two cents on why he doesn't do well wimbledon
0: so then with those thoughts in mind my number three is Dominic Team. I would actually say he's a cross between Stan and Gasquet. You see the versatility itching out and there are yeah. really moments when you think he could have the best one hander, um, you know, even better than Feds at his prime, even better than Gasquet's at his prime, just because of the sheer physical talent. Uh, he just kind of lacks the consistency
1: right now, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things about his back end that stands out is um he goes up the line off his back foot, which is okay. which is literally the first thing they tell you when you learn a one-hander is never hit off the back foot. And he literally does it like it's no problem. I just think his upper body strength is uncanny, and that's why it's he gets, that Austrian it. strength. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know if that's the thing, but um, <laughs> but but anyway, yeah. I think like he fools a lot of guys with that because he's he's going back, he's going back, and instead of planting his right foot, he just he just keeps going back and then hits it and no one no one expects him to do that. And so, yeah, in terms of versatility, I think team absolutely has um one of the best or sorry, one of the most versatile one-handers out there. And so,
0: I'm just curious, this is kind of a I guess this is a part of considering who's is the best um But in terms of the return, who's one-handed return? Do you appreciate someone like the Bryan brothers who both have one hands and kind of just block the return effectively to a place? Um, Of course, your return in doubles is different than singles. But I guess I'm saying technique-wise, do you prefer someone like the Bryan who just keeps it in front or a Gasquet, a team, who kind of take a few steps back and really go after the return?
1: Well, so I myself am more of like the Bryan brothers. Um, in the sense that I just I try to shorten up my backswing and just kind of block it and keep the head you know stable, um, not and just kind of use the pace of the serve. Um, and you know maybe that's a function of having played a lot more doubles than I used to, um, you know by nature of playing college tennis. But yeah, I'm I would say I'm definitely more a fan of that strategy.
0: All right, do you want to leave the one-handers there and go to our last topic? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so our last topic of this week is a controversial one, but I want to explain why I think it's okay I do it. Um, so from the ages of about 8 to 13, it would not be unfair to characterize me as very overweight. Um, this next debate is going to be about players who are not overweight, but are players who are skinny But they kind of look fat, and so again, I just think I have an eye for these things. As being someone himself who is a skinny fat player, Um, (coughs) Fliedner, for some reason, I'm going to trust your judgment on this to debate this. But I want to go first and foremost, my number one skinny fat player, Stan Wawrinka.
1: Don't even get me started.
0: Tell me he doesn't look fat. No, you're he. I know it's
1: he is all. Yeah, he's chunky, dude.
0: It's the Swiss chocolate, right? It's just he's eating all of that chocolate up.
1: Yeah. No, Stan, Stan absolutely looks chunky. That's You can't even debate that. That's just true. <laughs>
0: he's the chunky monkey. He's the chunky funny. monkey,
1: yeah. <laughs> that's really funny. He puts I mean, all of his weight – he puts all that weight into his one-handers, and it just – Oh, and that's, that's why, why it's so good.
0: The, I, I mean that's why he hits the cover off of the balls. Yeah. He gets all of his body weight behind.
1: Him Literally all of it. There. Yeah.
0: And because I don't even think Stan's that tall. He's like six foot.
1: Um, I would guess he's taller than that. I'd say it's at least Federer's height, but
0: I don't know. It's, that's questionable. I think though, I think you think that because of how thick he is. Yeah, I think maybe. he's someone who presents himself as bigger. And so, Hey, maybe there are advantages to being skinny fat. Uh, there's something to go. Uh, do you have a player you have in mind?
1: Um. Yeah. And ugh, God, I don't know if I want to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Jared Donaldson, he has Jared Donaldson. Dude, tell me he does not have a. Tell me he doesn't have a belly.
0: Okay, so I think there's a difference. Between tell me he being, hasn't lost
1: ba- his baby fat.
0: Again, <laughs> that's fine. I think there's a difference between being unathletic and being skinny fat, and I think that's important. <laughs> think we make because look does donaldson move the best naturally no. no is he thicker from lifting weights probably is he skinny fat i don't think he qualifies he's not big oh bone i make. disagree he, it's a it's th- the no. gut he
1: has a gut dude
0: no he doesn't he, he has a thick frame which you can tell he's working on is he chiseled no he no you know, he's not the most maybe nike, maybe
1: nike just hasn't figured out how to fit him yet
0: that's why Nike doesn't send him any more shirts, so
1: he never takes it off. Yeah, exactly. That's why they send him, like, the hand-me-downs. from. That's why he's always wearing the same thing <laughs> as someone else.
0: They send him Stan's hand-me-downs?
1: Yeah, they send him Jack Sox
0: hand-me-downs. <laughs> so, that, what a transition, because my next player, the king of skinny fat, yeah,
1: Jack Sox. No kidding. He's
0: perennially five pounds away from being five pounds away from being in shape. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Could not have put it better myself. I remember seeing like, him at Kalamazoo and just thinking that he's so thick. Like that's why he, that's why he keeps winning this tournament, like one and two in the finals. It's like
0: <laughs> he's just so much bigger than i Yeah, exactly.
1: Else. He's just it's just a and man look, against sho- boys.
0: It shows on his forehand and serve. Those are some freaking heavy shots. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Ooh, there's one. I actually I have two more. One. If he was here he would be furious that I'm mentioning this. But Joe Sanga.
1: Sanga is Joe another Sanga. skinny fat part. Yeah, but I, I don't Okay, I agree, but he's just real he I think he's just so athletic. No, he's a freak. I think he's really athletic and uh but, but
0: he's big-boned. He's yeah. got those big bones.
1: Yeah, he does. But I think that and that look, works to his advantage.
0: And look, I've seen when he does his celebration when he's pointing his fingers at his chest Yeah. Uh, his shirt is peaked up, and there is not a six-pack. Let me tell you. No,
1: I, I definitely agree.
0: <laughs> I think, uh, two, actually, I lied. Two more obvious ones. Uh, the king of the skinny fat, and in fact, he might just be on the latter side. Marcus Willis, the Wimbledon wonder. Uh, I mean, have you heard from him since? No. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he uh, found himself into some trouble.
1: Or maybe he's just focusing on doubles. Dude, I think the king is Max Rothman.
0: I was going to say that. That's I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Max Rothman is the definition of skinny fat player. And if you guys haven't seen a photo of Rothman, I really encourage you to go check out, you know, check the out great the shot great Podcast shot pod
1: Instagram. Instagram.
0: It, that was, see, I was trying to plug that right there. Well I know. Done. I know. YouTube plug. Check us out on Instagram. Um, I agree. Rothman gets all of his – it's like Jack Sock. That's why I said, yeah, that, you know, he, his serve is most similar to Sock's. It's all the way around the body types. Even uh, the yellow the bab. Right down to the yellow and, bab. And I mean there's a little belly fat there. Let me tell you, I've smacked that stomach post-point. Uh, it stuck. It didn't exactly – it wasn't a bouncing off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I've had that privilege, but with any luck, uh, a couple months from now I'll be home and, um, you know, I can check out what Alex is talking about firsthand.
0: Just wait for next week's episode when he has his response.
1: Oh god! Oh god!
0: I guarantee you, he makes a comment about my hairline.
1: <laughs> the fact that that but, uh, hasn't happened yet on the Great Shot Pod is just abysmal.
0: Oh, one of the great secrets of the Great Shot Podcast. We just is that we one just respect
1: hosts. you too much because you're the host. But you know what? Enough <laughs> enough of that. Enough of that.
0: Well, I really appreciate that. Um, We'll let the respect stay for this episode and end there. Um, I want to thank you, Max Fligner, again. I know how difficult it is uh, to get you on this podcast. Um, we'll try to you know, work around our schedules to get you on here as much as possible. But uh, any final words for the listeners?
1: Well, um, yeah, thanks again to Alex, um, and thanks again to Cracked Rackets. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I haven't been more present recently, and to be fair, going forward, it's going to be tough for me to be on um, until I get home for Thanksgiving break, uh, just because of, you know, the uh, the hashtag Varsity Life, but <laughs> but just know yeah, that well, just know that I'm just as involved as I've ever been behind the scenes, and um, you know I'm really excited to keep moving forward with this.
0: Yeah, and again, if you miss Max Fliegner, uh you can hear his voice through his words. Go check out the Tennis Tribune, uh, our new series on crackedrackets.com. In fact. Go check out all the the content on Cracked Rackets. Go check out Dalton's podcast. Go t- check out some of our other articles that are really great. Um, we made some jokes at Dan Evans' expense. Uh, we're, talking about <laughs> the, we're talking about the Challenger Tour. We're talking about the best American players. Um, a lot of fun stuff's happening, so please go check that out. Uh, and please, if you don't do anything else like, subscribe, review our podcast on iTunes. We can't do this without you, listeners. Uh, we really want to thank you all again for tuning into our first episode. Uh, we're looking forward to this next gen series, and we are looking forward to bringing you content every week for many weeks to come. So one more time for me, Alex Gruskin, for Max Rothman, and for our above average you know what above average and for our (laughs) world-class producer max leaner we want to say to you hey great shot and we'll see you next week thanks guys a great shot
1: production